0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Church Podcast. My name is Joe and I'm part of the team here. And I wanna tell you that we believe you can tell a better story. We design content with you in mind. And today you're gonna be hearing a great message about how you can take one more step in following Jesus every single Sunday. Join us 9 a.m. and 1045 in the room. Let's get into our message of hope today. Joe mentioned that we are in a series called there is joy and the idea behind this series is simply this that Christmas gets introduced as good news of great joy for all people it's supposed to be a time of joy but for many of us we're not seeing it feeling it or experiencing it that doesn't mean that there isn't joy and that doesn't mean that the story of Jesus at Christmas time isn't a joyful story and good news of great joy for all people It just means that maybe in our circumstances, in our situations, in our life, we're not seeing or experiencing or feeling joy. Maybe because this season is different for us because we suffered a great loss. This season is different for us because we're going through something really messy or the season is different for us because our expectations of what we thought it would be have not been met. This is supposed to be a season of joy. And so we've been talking over the last few weeks about how there is joy in amongst all of these really messy, unjoyful circumstances around us. And we began by asking this really important question, where do we find joy? And we discovered that joy is actually found within you and within me, in the deeply held convictions that we have and hold about the God who is above us who is with us and for us, the convictions we hold that Jesus is Lord, that joy is found in the person of Jesus and in the work of Jesus. It's why joy is different than happiness because happiness is shaped by the circumstances around you and it could be bad or it could be good, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's why we can find joy in him. And then last week we asked the question, how do we live with joy? And we discovered that we live with joy when we choose to serve others with our lives we choose to give our lives away and as was already mentioned we celebrated 24 people getting baptized in this place last week friends like shad and rosie and chanel and michael and you know that he's godly because his name is michael and that was supposed to be funny but um we had so many people that made decisions, families, friends, married couples. It was awesome to be a part. It's my, it's my favorite Sunday. And, and I don't ever want us to, to miss how miraculous those moments are. What, what we see statistically is that this year, 3000 plus churches will close their doors because they just have found themselves not being in, effective or inspiring in their community. And yet God has seen it fit for us as active church to continue to be a place that tells the irresistible story of Jesus and doing it in a way where it draws people from all walks of life and all generations and all backgrounds to find and to follow Jesus. And so I'm I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for what God is doing in us and through us here. Today, I wanna ask a third question about joy. And the question is this, how do we know when joy is leading us? How do we know when joy is leading us? Is it when we're loud? Is it when we're obnoxious? Are we annoyingly happy when joy is leading us? Like how, how do we know when that's our motivation, when that's our passion, when joy is drawing us into something, pushing us towards something? Is it those things? Is it being loud, obnoxious, or annoyingly happy? Or is it better than that? The writers of the scriptures and Jesus himself said, oh, it's better than that. One writer wrote the document called Hebrews to the Christians who were Jewish people who decided to find and follow Jesus. They write just this one line about Jesus that opens our eyes to what it looks like when joy is leading us. They put it this way, for the joy set before him, talking about Jesus, for the joy set before Jesus, He endured the cross, scorning its shame. It was the joy of Jesus to give his life for you and for me. For Jesus, joy has a name. It's your name. It's my name. What we discover is that when Jesus gave of his life and then resurrected from the grave he joyfully did that because godly joy is expressed in who and what you're for we know that god is for us because of what jesus has done for us which means for us as followers of jesus you are led by joy when you live a life that's for something now, truthfully, if you're a Christian, you, you might be more aware of this than maybe if you're not. And even if you're not a Christian, you might have felt this from Christians. We can spend a lot of our time standing against things, right? Like I have friends who are atheists, agnostic, they're curious, they're asking questions about God and they, they come to me, we have great discussions but the thing that they have said often, and maybe you have experienced this as well, is that for a lot of people who don't follow Jesus, what they know about followers of Jesus is everything that they're against, everything that they don't like. And I wanna be very clear about something. When you announce what you are for, it does also announce what you stand against. And, and the truth is, when it it comes to God himself, there are things that he stands against. And as we follow Jesus, there are things that we stand against. Like we are against hate. We are for love. We are against condemnation and we are for salvation. And we didn't create this on our own. We learned it from listening and watching God in the person and work of Jesus. And so, yes, there are things that God would stand against and the things you'll discover as you read the scriptures and follow Jesus, the things that God stands against are things that stand against you, that break you. It's not because God wants to be the one that destroys or crushes the things that you enjoy. God loves you and invites you into the things that bring you joy, that allow you to live with joy. But far too often as Christians, we can announce what we are against and not talk about the things and live for the things and celebrate the things that we are for. And it's, it's better than the things that we're against. And it's Jesus through his life and his word and his work, it's Jesus who announces what he is for. And when we follow Jesus, we learn that too. We follow that way too. So so let me ask you to consider a couple of questions. What are you for? Who are you for? When do you show up? When are you present? Who do you give life to? Because that's what it means to be for someone, because that's what Jesus has done for us. Or do you do those things at all? I've been a Christian for many years, since I was eight years old. So it was like 10 years ago. And I try not to lie, but. the the truth is i've been a christian for a long time and what i've discovered and maybe you've discovered this too is that often we can make this relationship with god about us and only us and nobody around us knows what we're for or who we're for nobody around us experiences the life that we find in jesus when he gives his life and then resurrects from the grave to extend abundant life to us and so who are you for? And what are you for? Or are you, are you for anything? Today, I wanna to show you why this matters. Today, I want you to see why it matters to your story and mine, and how it impacted the story that God is telling in this world. And I want you to see it through the eyes of someone that you already know about because she's famous in the Christmas story, and that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. She made a decision Based upon knowing and being confident and being trust, trusting in, 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 in God's faithfulness, she made a decision based upon who God is and what God does to do what God asked her to do. And it changed her life. And I wanna, I wanna show that to you in the familiar Christmas story because I think it'll change you today and invite you to really consider who and what you're for. I wanna start by asking you a question. Did you know that since the beginning of time, whenever that was, I wasn't there. Some of you might've been there. I wasn't there. But since the beginning of time, did you know that God has been for humanity? Specifically, God has been for women. Since the beginning of time, ladies, God has been for you. He created you in his image. puts you together you are uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully made like God knows you loves you designs you and calls you his own since the beginning God has been for you he's been for women and in our culture over the last maybe 50 years we have worked really hard to try to highlight women and to honor and to dignify Women. In fact, just a few years ago, maybe you were familiar with it or you remember the, the movement hashtag me too. And what we discovered was that there were females specifically that had been abused and had been used and had been mistreated and they were finally done with it. And it opened the eyes of a lot of people around them going, how did you exist with, with people treating you this way? And so in our culture, they, they began to go, we have to honor and dignify females in a, in a new and fresh way. And the reality is, is that we have a long way to go, don't we? Because there are private moments, ladies, that you don't even wanna talk about, about how he, you were treated, about how you were mistreated and dishonored and not treated with dignity and respect. And you're afraid to bring it up because if you bring it up, then you're gonna get blamed. They're gonna ask you what you were wearing or if you were drunk or all of those ridiculous questions. And so we have a long way to go, don't we? But since the beginning of time, God has been for you. God has loved you. And here's the reality, you and I, in being four women, we're just trying to catch up. We're just trying to catch up to God. When culture said, you know what we need to do? We need to honor women and dignify women. God went, yeah, and I've been doing that since the beginning because that's how I made them and designed them and that's how they should be treated. And today I wanna, I wanna share brief stories with you Little, little powerful stories in the Old Testament that are not little at all, that will lead us to the story of, of Mary. Because I want you to see how God in just a f- few of these stories has been for women, not just in word. It's easy to say, I'm for women and I'm for humanity, but not do anything about it. God not only was for you in his words, but he was for you in his work since the beginning. One of the stories that's found in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, is a story from the document of Genesis, Abraham and Sarah. At one point in Abraham's life, he's older and God takes him outside and makes him a promise. He says that there's going to be a great nation that's gonna come from you. And he invites him to look up at the stars in the sky and he says that the nation will be larger than the stars in the sky. You won't even be able to count how many people will be in this nation, will come from this family. It'll be more than the stars in the sky that you see. So Abraham was stirred up, he was excited, and the scriptures tell us he was an old, old man. He had not had any kids at this point. He was way past the the, the kid moment, and so was his wife. Sarah was not able to have children up until this point. And so when Abraham comes to Sarah and says, Sarah, guess what God told me? We're going to have a huge family, more than the stars in the sky. Sarah began to internalize that. And the writer of Genesis tells us that she speaks to her husband and says, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now, is that true? We don't know if it was God that kept her from having children, but what we do know is that she believed it and she suffered through it. And it may have not been an appropriate belief about God. It may have not been a right belief about God, but it was something that she held in her heart because she was not able to have children with her husband and build a family. And some of you know exactly what that feels like because you're there or you have been there. And so Sarah, hearing what Abraham says to her on behalf of God and the promise of God comes up with this idea on how to help the promises of God. She says, the Lord has kept me from having kids. So why don't you go and sleep with my slave? Perhaps I can build a family through her. You, you ever watched like the housewives of the OC? Oh, don't, don't admit that because you're in church, but, but doesn't this feel like that a bit, right? Like, and you, and you know that whenever you're gonna try to help God out, In keeping his promises that that is never actually gonna be a good thing often our help of God ends up being hell on earth right because we cause a lot of chaos And so Sarah says what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to sleep with my slave and have a kid with her and then we will build a family from her and Abraham is like every dude he's stupid and he goes okay and he goes and he does it right the slave's name is Hagar And Hagar becomes pregnant and Hagar has a child. And Sarah becomes incredibly jealous of Hagar and the child to the point where she just begins to mistreat her. She begins to not honor her. It was her idea, but now she's just tired of Hagar and tired of the child. And Hagar escapes this abuse and runs to the desert. And we read in the desert that God meets her there. And the writer of Genesis says this, that when God meets her there, he makes her a promise. He says, I will increase your descendants so much that they too will be too numerous to count. Now, full disclosure, full context. The, the nation that comes from Hagar is the nation that today is in tension with the Jewish people. It's, it's the Arab nation. And there's a constant tension between those two. And we're always trying to find out like why is there a constant tension? Why is there a constant issue? Well, the scriptures from the beginning tell us it started when Sarah decided to help God keep his promise. Look how messy it got. And yet in amongst the mess, God doesn't miss Hagar. God affirms her, loves her, And then something really unique happens in this moment when God makes this promise to her. Hagar is the first person in all of recorded history to name God. Now you might know God as Yahweh, you might know God as Adonai, you might know God as the Lord, but Hagar names God based upon how God has treated her. She says, You are the God who sees me. Because he isn't a God who just says, I'm for you. But he is a God who actually lives that out. And Hagar says, you're the God who sees me. And you saw the pain and the suffering. You saw the brokenness. You saw me. You didn't look over me or look past me. And she believed that God would because she was a slave. She's a woman slave. She's an African woman slave. And so she believed that God wouldn't even care about her, but yet God met her in the desert and she says, God, you see me. She's the first person in recorded history, an African woman slave that names God. It wasn't a dude, it wasn't a prophet, it wasn't a priest, it wasn't somebody righteous and religious. It was a woman who had been abused and had been placed in a vulnerable position and God saw her and she recognized that God saw her. And and when you read the story, you'll, you'll, you'll discover that the only person that actually sees Hagar and calls her by her name is God. Abraham and Sarah don't even do that. And they're followers of God. Worshippers of God. And I love this moment because this is an announcement that God has a way of exalting the vulnerable because God is for the vulnerable. And this is just one story. There's, There's multiple stories just in the Old Testament in the Hebrew scriptures about God being for women. Like the story of Rahab. When God met Rahab, Rahab wasn't like, post her sinful life Rahab was right in the middle of it and yet God loved her protected her and invited her into redemption that story is in Joshua chapter 2 you should read it or the story of the widow who has a son who had really nothing she was poor and Elisha comes to her and says will you cook me a meal Typical guy, right? Like, will you cook me a meal? And she does with what she had left. And then Elisha makes her a promise that because she was faithful to him, God would be faithful to her. And for the rest of her life, God would provide all that she would need, food and drink. She would never have to worry about that again. That's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, you should read it. And then the story of the prophet Haggai who God invited to marry an unfaithful woman, but to be faithful to her. And every time that she was unfaithful, God invited Haggai to be faithful. Even at one point Haggai buys his wife back with money because she sold herself. And the story is beautiful about how Haggai loves his wife because God is stirring him to be faithful to her, but it's even more beautiful because it's the story of what God does for you and for me, and Haggai could feel it and experience it and live in it. He knows what it's like to walk in the shoes of God, if God has shoes. (laughs) He knows what it's like to feel what God felt. These are just a few of the stories where God announced that he was for women And you know who was paying attention to these stories? Mary was. She knew the Torah, the law and the prophets. She went to temple and on the Sabbath would worship God. She knew how God would work and she knew what the word of God was. And that impacted her, changed her, and it impacted and changed the entire world, and I want to share the familiar Christmas story with you, but talk about why this is so important. Why being for someone is so important, and why, why God modeled that for us when it started with Him and what He did for Mary. Luke tells the story of Mary, and if you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn to Luke's letter, chapter one. We're going to start in verse twenty-six. He investigated this story of Jesus and. He made sure that he had accurate notes so that you would know that I would know that we would know about Jesus and who he is and what he does and here's what he said in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David the virgin's name was Mary the angel said to her and went to her and said to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Have you ever said, man, I would just, I would just love for God to show up and tell me what he wants. I think Mary would say, no, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> because we know what God is about to invite her into, don't we? but she's greatly troubled by all of this. Like she is a bit fearful. maybe even a bit doubtful about what is happening in front of her, which by the way, doubt is not a bad thing. Doubt is not a wrong thing. Doubt is actually a thing that causes you to be curious about faith. In fact, Jesus said you ought to love the Lord your God with all your mind, not turn off your mind. Faith doesn't turn off your mind. It engages your mind. If you stop asking questions, you're not engaging in faith. If you stop asking questions, you're not moving towards God. And, and this is a moment where Mary's like, okay, what, what's, what's happening here? And Luke just has a way of writing this story that is engaging and inspiring. And what he's about to share with us is, is really, really powerful. It's like that scene in the first, original jurassic park movie where samuel l jackson says hold on to your butts like this is that moment for luke he's like hang on this is about to get real this is about to get powerful he says these words to mary the angel said to her do not be afraid mary you have found favor with god you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him jesus he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And she says, how could this be? How will this be since I am a virgin? And all of us go, yeah, how's this gonna work? And the angel very carefully, very thoughtfully, Luke, very carefully, very thoughtfully pens these words. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. This is really important. I don't wanna skip over it, but we'll come back to it in just a moment. But Luke ends this moment with these words from Mary in response to the angel and what God is inviting her into. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So two thoughts, first thought how can a virgin give birth to a baby? Because we know how this works. If you don't ask your dad, ask your mom after service, all right, but if you do or are with me and you know how this works, we, we know how babies are made. And so the question is, how, how, does this, how does this happen? And Luke, Luke has a way of just making this accessible to us, he goes, I know this feels impossible, but the God that you worship, the God that loves you, the God that created you, the God that you honor and follow, he's a God who has this ability to take impossible things and make them possible. He can take what we just can't quite understand and he tells an incredible better story from that. And so can God, cause a virgin to give birth to the son of God, according to Luke? He's like, yeah. And it's remarkable the power of God and what the power of God can do. If you ever doubt the power of God, let the the Christmas story be a reminder that God can do impossible things and make impossible. Then maybe the, the question is, well, why? Why a virgin birth? Like, Couldn't God just have Mary and Joseph get married and then be intimate and then have a kid and let that kid be the one that he is sending? And the answer is yes, of course he could. But what we find in the story of God and we find in the pages and documents that we call the Bible is this, that Jesus is not like us, but he chose to become one of us. Here's what I mean. I'm sinful, he is not. He is sinless. I'm broken. He is not. He is whole. I'm messy. He is not. He's the Messiah. And what God wanted to to communicate from the beginning from this moment with Mary and having a baby through the power of the Holy Spirit is that you and I need help and hope, and that help and hope is only found in Jesus alone. We can't find it in another priest. We can't find it in another prophet. We can't find it in another pastor. We can't find it in another human. It's only found in the person of Jesus. And if if Jesus was to come like how you and I came and were born, then it would be easy for Men and women, for humanity to take the credit. But this moment is an announcement that God is like, I want the world to know that this is from me and could only, it could only arrive, it could only be here because of me. Paul, who is a follower of Jesus, writes most of the New Testament, he actually teases this out and gives us a really great explanation as to what's happening here. And if you ever hear somebody talk about like theology or talk about doctrine, we're about to enter into that moment in these words. And this theology, this doctrine is essential. You can't negotiate it. And I'll explain that in a minute. But let me read some words from Paul in Romans. He says this, therefore, in light of what we just talked about, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. Here's what Paul is saying. He's like, Hey, could we pause for a moment? Could I take you back to the beginning? Remember the story in the document of Genesis, Adam and Eve? At the beginning of all things, we're told, we're taught, God says that. Humanity was created, but at one point, at some point, humanity, Adam and Eve, both decide, instead of doing the selfless thing, they decide to do the selfish thing. They unplug themselves from the life source that is God and try to plug themselves into other things that they think will bring them life. And that actually brought about a devastating consequence. Death. Because God is the author of life, but because they unplug themselves from the source of life, then their life will end with death because that's the consequences of our selfishness and our sin. Are you with me? This is what Paul is writing. Then he says, death reigned from the time of Adam, he mentions his name, to the time of Moses. And even over those who did not sin by breaking a specific commandment like Adam did, who is in a pattern of the one to come. Now those are fancy words for Paul to communicate to you and I. Okay, so in the beginning, there was this decision that was made, They unplugged themselves from God and tried to plug themselves into other things. Hey, well, we'll find life and satisfaction in our work. We'll find life and satisfaction in our exercise. We'll find life and satisfaction in our habits. We'll find life and satisfaction in our social media following. That's where we'll find it. And what they found is the same things that we are finding is that those things don't give life at all. They might be an expression of life, but they are not the source of life. God is the source of life. And what Paul writes is that because we come from the seed of Adam, we're as human as he is, we follow in his same pattern and in his his same rhythm which is why jesus needed to come and not just be born like you and i are born but why jesus needed to come and we needed to know that this was god's doing and not our doing because things needed to change we needed help we needed hope we needed redemption we needed reconciliation paul put it this way for if by the trespass of one man the sin or the decision of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This, my friends, is why the virgin birth cannot be negotiated and is essential to our faith in Jesus and who he is and what he does. Because without the virgin birth, Jesus is just like me. And I can't save you or set you free from yourself or your sin. Jesus is just like you and you can't do the things that Jesus can do. And so God decided, I'm going to do something impossible and make it possible so that you would know that I'm leading this and that redemption and salvation is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. This is why the virgin birth is so essential to our faith, to our doctrine, because God wanted us to know that he is for us. Jesus is God's announcement that God is for us. This is why he picked a virgin and through the power of the Holy Spirit, she became pregnant and gave birth to the son of God. He didn't want another me or another you, although he loves me and he loves you. God decided to show up and put human skin on and do it in a way that we could not take credit for because he is the only one that can set us free. Second thought, Maybe this is an important question for you. This is why knowing that God has been for us or specifically for women since the beginning is essential. Just to recap, Mary was invited by God himself. Mary, who was not even a footnote in the story, became a main character in the story. Mary, who we've established is a nobody from nowhere and then suddenly becomes somebody because God saw her and invited her to step into this incredible purpose, not just for her life, but for the lives of everyone who would ever exist. And you might ask, like, why, why, would, why would Mary do this? In, in response To god's invitation mary says may your word to me be fulfilled some of you know it as may it be to me as you have said like listen to what mary is saying yes to mary it's god here's what i want from you I know you're a virgin, you haven't been intimate with a man, and I know that that's one of the gifts that comes when you get married. However, I'm not going to have you do that. I'm actually just going to have you become pregnant through the power of God. Are you still with me, Mary? Follow me. And then what's going to happen is that you're going to get stretch marks. Your body is going to adjust. You're going to get heartburn. You're going to have morning sickness. You're going to have moments where you're sitting in a chair and you can't get up, and somebody's going to have to pull you to get up. You're going to waddle like a penguin for the rest of the nine months that you're carrying this baby around and then the dude that you're going to get married to is still going to ask you to cook for him and clean for him and when he's sick he's going to get the man flu and you're going to have to take care of him even though you're pregnant with the baby mary are you with me are you still following me and he invites her into this moment and she says yes ladies would would you say yes would you, would you say yes to this invitation? Especially if you've, you, you haven't had the gift of marriage and the gift of sexual intimacy? Sure, man! In. sign me up. Right? Not only was that a part of the story, but the pain of, of childbirth, the pain of giving birth, and then the pain of eventually watching her son be crucified? Sign me up. Why does Mary say yes to this? Do you wanna know why? Because from the beginning, through his word and his work, God said, ladies, I'm for you, Mary, I'm for you and in that moment when God invited her to step into this incredible purpose through all this pain and all of this struggle God invited her to give of herself and she said yes because of what She knew about God because he has been faithful since the beginning and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mary said yes because she was confident and she trusted that the God that was inviting her into this eventual Christmas story had been for her since the beginning. This is why she said yes. And her yes changed her life and our lives and it changed the world. Because her yes brought about the Son of God. So let me, let me take you back to the beginning. You are led by joy when you know what you're for. We learned this from God through the person and work of Jesus. He had been for us, specifically for women, specifically for Mary, and because of the way that He communicated and lived and told the story to the entire world, Mary responded by saying, "Yes, I'm in because I know you're for me, and her yes," was the greatest was the greatest announcement of God through Jesus to, to be for you. You're led with joy when you know what you're for. So who are you for? And do they know? What are you for? What do you show up for? Who are you present for? Who do you give life to? These are the questions that followers of Jesus ask themselves as they look at what Jesus has done and continues to do for us. Friends, you will miss a life of joy when you live against rather than for. You will miss a life of joy when you live against rather than for. And my conviction and I hope your conviction today is that there is joy this Christmas and it can be found in who you are for. May you, this Christmas, before those around you, may you these, th- this Christmas experience life the way that Jesus has given you life and you're for people. You cheer and you celebrate how to be for people, you wanna know how to be for people, You, you show up and you're present and you give life. Maybe part of the reason why you're not seeing or experiencing or feeling joy is because you just don't know who you're for. And if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus makes it very clear that he is for you and for them and for us and for everyone. And he is for life and he is for unconditional, radical, self-sacrificial love. He is for humility. He is for forgiveness. He is for reconciliation. He is for the sinner and he makes them a saint. He is for the broken and he makes them whole. He is for the lost and he calls them found. You wanna know who you're for? Look to Jesus, look to your own life and what Jesus has done in your life and be for them, be for that, be for those that have suffered and struggled in the way that you have. And then look beyond yourself to those that are around you and before them show up and be present and give life. Mary made a decision because from the beginning, God announced that he was for her. May you today make a decision because now you know that since the beginning, God has been for you. Thanks for listening today to the Active Church Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message of hope. Stay connected with everything happening around Active on our social media platforms, on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you want to know more information about Active Church, check out our website. We hope to see you soon, 9 a.m., 45 every single Sunday.